0: Welcome to the This is Reno podcast, I am your host, Bob Conrad. The University of Nevada's annual Global Climate Change Summit took place in late September. The event coincides with the annual Climate Summit at the United Nations. The UNR event is hosted by the College of Business's Nevada Leadership Program and the University Center for Economic Development. I got the chance to speak with three of the participants at the forum and our conversations were wide-ranging. First up is Stellar Lufrano-Jardine. She is a doctoral student at the university and is also the director of career services for the UNR College of Business.
1: I'm actually the director of career services with the College of Business. Um, I'm also a Ph.D. candidate in the College of Education studying environmental leadership.
0: Excellent. I didn't realize yes. they had an environmental leadership.
1: I'm, I might be the first. <laughs> cool. So. Yeah, I, I got
0: my degree from there, uh, 2011, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: I have a very great uh, advisor. She's wonderful. So she kind of said, yeah, sure. If this is what you want to study, let's make it work. So,
0: Cool. So yeah. what is your research interest then?
1: In? Um, I will be looking at ITS Logistics and their sustainability initiatives um, in terms of transportation and business.
0: Phenomenal. Yeah. Are they Are a local company? Or yes, they are. Yeah. Are they local or are they just based here?
1: No, uh, they are headquartered in Sparks. Um, And they ship for Patagonia, Starbucks, Amazon. So um, they ship uh, regionally. They're probably one of the bigger ones regionally.
0: Excellent. Yeah. So what's your interest in the Climate uh, Change Summit here today?
1: Uh, Well, I was asked to be a moderator. um, But really my, um, I guess, adult life has been spent really uh, trying to find how we can solve climate change, who is affected, who can make it better, Uh, Because it's it is such a global issue that it's important to bring people from all over the community together to understand, you know, how we're going to solve this.
0: And what ideas do you have to solve it?
1: Uh, Well, I um, led the UNR climate strike on Friday. Um, So being out here with a couple hundred of my fellow climate activists, um, we talked a lot about bringing the uh, Green New Deal to fruition and being able to start thinking about the amount of carbon that we use, Um, or excrete into the air, the uh, oil that we use, um, how we're using plastics and flooding our oceans with it. So um, here on campus, um, I lead a student group uh, called Enactus, and they'll start recycling the plastic here on campus and turning it into um, reusable items. Uh, Also, you know, really pushing our elected leaders to start, you know, considering the environment and everything that they do. Uh, and then letting the world as we're meeting, uh, when the UN is meeting, uh, really telling the world that this is important and they have to start making meaningful advances.
0: Were you in the, were you here for the morning session at all? I was. Okay. Did you, did you hear what Dale Devitt said about, um, at an individual level, we're not necessarily the problem, but collectively we are. Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? I thought that was a very interesting statement.
1: Right. Um, uh, When we think about, you know, taking that plastic bag at the grocery store uh, on an individual level, if I take that plastic bag, it shouldn't mean a whole lot. The problem is, is millions of people are taking that plastic bag and we take that plastic bag because it's cheap. um, It's easy. And the problem with that is that it gets disposed of because it's cheap and it's easy. And when people collectively do that over and over again, we create a, a monumental problem. And so we have to rethink of ways that us as individuals can take action to not take that plastic bag, to not you know, drive our cars everywhere that we need to go or look at alternate modes of transportation. Um, but then I take it a step further because yes, individuals collectively can make a change, but businesses need to also not make it so cheap and easy for us in the first place. So, um, you know, what alternatives do we have to plastic bags? What alternatives do we have to transportation? And it's difficult for an individual to do that by themselves, um, but that collective can then push businesses and industries to make um, big sweeping
0: change. What example of a big sweeping change could you provide?
1: Uh, Well, I think, um, I believe Pepsi. I had heard over the summer that they had removed themselves from the Plastic Alliance. I believe they had removed themselves from the Plastic Alliance from Pushback of consumers saying that they are tired of finding their plastic bottles kind of all over the earth basically and to say you need to create a more responsible way to provide your products to people um, you know uh, another one may be um, SFO San Francisco Airport and their initiative to say we don't want plastic water bottles anymore. And so it took probably a few people to say, hey, this this shouldn't be the way. And then that momentum got bigger businesses or bigger uh, municipalities to say, okay, then we're going to change how we do this.
0: To me, it was very interesting to learn that plastics, uh, at least originally, were in part designed to make things like shipping, transportation, logistics, um, more environmentally friendly because it's much lighter than what we had before. Mm-hmm. We, we remember this icon of, you know, early America with milk bottles. Right. Right? Right. And we don't have milk bottles anymore, right. or very little. Right. So um, it seems to me like we tried to solve one problem, but then in fact, over the decades of plastic use, we've created a, a bigger environmental one would you agree
1: absolutely um you know when you think about going out and uh, i'll take myself my husband my two kids will go to eat out And a lot of places that we go to eat out, I mean, they're going to offer you all the plastic silverware. They're going to put your stuff in a plastic bag. They're going to um, put all your food in plastic containers. And so after we're done eating, all of that is discarded, not to be used again. And a lot of it's not really recyclable either because it's that cheaper made plastic. So absolutely, it's hard to live um, your everyday life worrying about how much plastic you're consuming because it is everywhere and it's so easy to use. And we've created where, um, you know, I walked into Whole Foods with my, um, my Tupperwares, my glass Tupperwares, and they said because of the state of Nevada regulations, you cannot use them with our hot bar. So then businesses and states create this issue where you as an individual can't even make that difference.
0: Right. Anything else you want to add?
1: Um, I will say uh, on the individuals pushing, um, you know, businesses and entities to make a difference, I think uh, Nevada voting for us to move towards clean energy and start doing that big push was a pushback on NV Energy and saying, no, these are the things that matter to us. This is where we see our state going forward because they were reluctant to change. They were reluctant to let people put solar up on their houses and to really do that uh, alternate energy generation. And I'm really proud of the people of Nevada for standing up and saying that, you know, we're no longer going to put up with this and we're going to be viable with the rest of the states and say that this is an issue that we need to take care of.
0: Thank you so much. And good luck with your studies, too. Thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. Peter Gower is an environmental planning consultant with Planning Solutions, Inc. We talk
2: about the effects of sprawl versus high-density development. I am an environmental planning consultant with Environmental Management and Planning Solutions.
0: Is, is that a local firm?
2: It is a local firm. We have an office here in Reno. We also have offices in Boulder, San Francisco, Portland, um, Washington, D.C., and Alaska.
0: So you're a national firm? Yeah, Excellent. We
2: like to do local work, though, too.
0: What is your interest here today?
2: So my interest is many-fold. Um, Fred asked me to be here to be on the private sector panel. Last time in the 2017 summit, I was here on the public sector panel because I also sit on the planning commission for the city of Reno and the regional planning commission. So I kind of provided that perspective at that summit. This time around, my interest is in kind of this... um, Green economy, I guess you could say that that term's been thrown around a lot. And we have a lot of panelists on our panel who provide um, services or products that, you know, power or electric vehicles or, you know, things that are pretty tangible items. But there's also this other aspect of a green economy or, um, you know, economy that's focused on sustainability and climate change. That is a little bit more abstract and that's some of the things um, like that I work on, on the policy side. So supporting government agencies and staff and decision makers and providing, you know, the information that they need to make decisions related to climate change and sustainability, Um, you know, doing similar to uh, the academic side, doing research or collecting data, you know, putting it into a report to support those decisions so there's um a lot of aspects of you know that climate related economy that i think maybe um folks don't think of and i kind of want to bring those to the table today
0: and i assume um because of your work with the city and then privately did you have a role in the uh city's climate action plan i did sustainability
2: and climate action plan. Yeah, yeah so i it was funny, I, um, when David Bobzian was on the council in 2015, he asked me to sit on a, a task force, essentially a citizen task force, to help put together kind of the bones of a sustainability and climate action plan. Essentially, you know, picking out the topics that um, the city manager's office and city council might want to look at related to climate change and sustainability. So I chaired that committee for him. We presented our findings to the city manager's office. And then when Lynn Barker came on board, um, I've been working with her since she's been there to put together first the Star Community Sustainability Report and then uh, rolling that into the Sustainability and Climate Action Plan. And she brought that to the Planning Commission where I um, sit and we had a great conversation and that kind of teed it up for the city council to eventually approve uh, it unanimously because frankly addressing the affordability challenge sure it can be development can be pushed out to the urban fringe where mm-hmm. land is cheaper but when you incorporate all of the lifestyle costs that go along with that type of development so that's not only your home ownership but also your transportation costs um you fuel know, fuel absolutely yeah. I mean, and the impacts of fuel Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Healthcare costs Mm -hmm. because you're sitting in traffic longer. Um, You know, you're exposed to longer commute times. So maybe you're not getting the amount of sleep that you need. I mean, you can roll in all of these additional layers on top of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not walking to work, which you could be if you lived in midtown or, you know, a higher density area. So um, that really urban form and pattern question can address the affordability challenge. If we provide more diverse Um, housing within our existing urban areas that just that supply can help address that demand for housing that we're seeing right now.
0: Marco Vallada oversees the City of Las Vegas' sustainability initiatives. In this segment, we discuss how Reno and Las Vegas are the fastest warming cities in America and what can be done about this concerning trend.
3: Officially, I'm a senior management analyst with the City of Las Vegas, our planning department and
0: the Office of Sustainability So full disclosure we used to work together many years ago. Yes on the energy fit Nevada program Um, What have you been doing since then?
3: Well since then I have been focusing on uh, Sustainability in general for the city um, making sure that we have we are 100% uh, 100% powered through renewable energy, which we have done uh, with an agreement with NV Energy. Um, so, all of the city facilities, street lights, parks, they are all uh, powered with uh, renewable energy from either Boulder Solar in Boulder City, city owned generation, or Hoover Dam uh, Hydropower. We also have been working um, with the Nevada Governor's Office of Energy and uh, uh, through a collaboration statewide on setting up the uh, a CPACE program, uh, Commercial Property Assessed Clean Energy. It's Essentially, it's a loan program that's tied to the property itself um, in which a, a business can do energy efficiency and renewable energy projects and finance them over 25-year uh, term, uh, and the the savings that uh, are are captured from those energy investments can be put back into the um, into the property itself uh, after paying off the uh, the investment. Um, I also have been working on the city's 2050 master plan, which is a 30-year plan for. Uh, how Las Vegas is going to grow and develop in the future. And we are working uh, collaboratively with uh, a lot of our regional partners and stakeholders on how we can, uh, how we can grow Las Vegas uh, in a sustainable manner in the future.
0: We're both kind of neck and neck with the fastest warming cities in the United States. What specifically can be done about that? That's a very
3: difficult question to answer. Um, we, you know, in the Mojave Desert, we have four inches of rain or less every year, um, and most years aren't like the one that we just had, in which we had above-average rainfall. Um, but what we what we have recognized is that we need to cool our city off, and that's goes back that goes back to how does the built environment function with the natural environment. One of the things that we we can and will continue to do into the future is looking at that urban tree canopy that we have and how much of it is healthy, how much of it, how much of it is sustainable, and what do we need to do to um, add to it over the next 30 years to help reverse the, the trend that we have. Because, yes, we are experiencing increased uh, heat waves and extreme heat events with uh, more frequency and intensity. Uh,
0: what- and I, I know we're doing that here in Reno too. Yeah. Um, uh, Councilmember Naomi Dewar is doing that Relief Reno project and literally like incentivizing people to buy trees plant them you know get that get a greater uh tree canopy here in reno yeah so i know it, that's a big deal here too and,
3: and it comes back to that and working with our regional partner in southern nevada snwa southern nevada water authority and maybe how that aligns with our our zoning code what do we require um with respect to trees and landscaping now the trick with us is is how do we do that in a in a an environment where we have um uh water which is uh, in short supply as well through our own allocation of 2% of the Colorado River 300,000 acre feet per year extended a little bit with uh with returning some of that back to the lake but um what what it comes down to is what are the bulletproof species of of trees that can really withstand heat and provide adequate shade and other benefits that trees definitely do uh, give to
0: to our our built environment. Do you remember during the recession with the ARA funding how the U.S. Forest Service was able to get under ARA funding a, a, an initiative to basically provide a ton of trees for like cost, you know, yeah. in Las Vegas? Do you remember this? And yeah, it was a big controversy. I got roasted on Fox News over this. And I remember we had to have um, Mayor Goodman come out and basically say, "Um, guys, this is uh, actually something we really need. There's schools that can't afford trees or landscaping. So this is a really important thing. But it seemed like there's like this big disconnect between, oh, trees in Las Vegas. Well, that's a dumb idea. They don't have any water versus, well, actually, we need them because we're, you know, we're a very hot city. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a
3: a balancing act with, uh, with that. I mean, we, um, you know, we need them to, to, to cool the city off essentially. Um, But it's, it it comes back to what's native and what's adaptive. I mean, there's some species that, uh, you know, that are, that are non-native, that they provide a good canopy, but they just are not appropriate for the Mojave Desert at at all. Uh, and we have, we happen to have a lot of them. Um, there's, you know, it, it comes back to the wisdom, wisdom of having, you know, pine trees and, and, uh, things that are things that you'd find up in, in Reno or in Northern Nevada, uh, versus something that's, uh, that's truly, native to the Mojave Desert or as at least adapted to it. I mean, there's some Sonoran species that uh, that grow really well in the Mojave Desert that also provide a really good canopy. And then it also comes back down to the, you know, the built environment itself. I mean, do we need to be requiring as much parking as we do at, at commercial shopping centers or at apartment complexes as we do? Is there a better way to have parking In general, or should we have less of it? Uh, And when you put those parking lots in, they need to be really shaded because that's when it comes down to is that's that's a big source of the urban heat island effect. It's it's creating these heat sinks, and they just so happen to be in the most densely developed parts of town, where there also happens to be. a a big concentration of, of, uh, of residents that, uh, are poorer. Uh, there's, there's more minority groups that are, that are in these neighborhoods as well. Um, and they're, you know, taking on the brunt of it and that can exacerbate issues with respect to public health too. Thank you so much. I appreciate
0: your work and glad to see you're still doing it. Any final thoughts?
3: Yeah, we're just we're working on making uh, the city of Las Vegas a sustainable place for the future, and we're glad to be a part of this this uh, summer of this summit and uh, look to collaborate with uh, with entities, not only city of Reno and uh, Nevada Governor's Office of Energy, um, but the entire state and uh, and the University of Nevada is definitely the the vehicle to help uh, do that. And UNLV too. And, and the entire Nevada System of yeah. Higher Education, DRI, Cooperative yeah. Extension, UNLV, all yeah. of them, they all play a major a major role in making sure that uh, uh, Nevada
0: is a leader in, uh, in, in this effort. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. That's it for this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.